Today is the last Sunday of our series that we've been calling Bad Religion, and we hope that these uh, messages have been helpful to you, and uh, we believe as we close this series, we're going to end on a really positive, positive note, because we're talking about God's grace. Now, when I was about 10 years old, my parents bought this car, look at this car on the screen, uh, bought this car, 1965 Chevy, blue color, just like that, and uh, we used to take that car on vacations. And we, would, uh, we were living in Iowa, and so we'd go down to the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. We would go to the Colorado Rockies for vacations, and we would have a great time in that car. But as you can probably imagine, putting three kids in the backseat of that car on a long road trip with no air conditioning, man, sometimes we got bored. And so you can probably imagine my sister at 14, my brother at 8, and me at 10, we got bored and sometimes we kind of got irritated and we could get into it in that back seat. Now, it was never my fault. Amen? You understand that? <laughs> my brother's fault, my sister's fault, probably. Um, they will probably differ big time. But when the fussing turned into yelling, my dad, driving with his left hand, would stretch out his right hand, clear over the back of that front seat, and he would say, don't think that I can't reach you from up here. <laughs> and that hand looked so mighty and so powerful, there was an instant silence, not knowing what our Father might do. Well, bad religion teaches that we're to fear our Heavenly Father. That God the Father is just this entity to be feared, because if we slip up, He's going to reach down with His mighty powerful hand and do something to straighten us up, to get our attention, to get us to straighten up. Now we are, the scripture teaches, to have a reverent fear for God the Father. But there's a difference between a reverent fear and the fear of some kind of retaliation. We are to respect his powerful name that we just sang about. We are to respect his position, his power, his authority, but we're not to fear some rough retaliation. Now, my father did want to get us our attention in the back seat. Our father did want us to change our direction in the back seat. Our father knew, though, that we were cramped and that we were on a long trip and there was no air conditioning. So our father actually extended us grace, great grace. And that's what I want to talk with you about this morning, God the Father's amazing grace. I want to talk with you about how he extends to us his amazing grace and how he restores us after we've sinned through his amazing grace. His grace truly is amazing. Amen, folks? Amen. And because of that, it's not fear that draws me to him. It's his grace that draws me to him. And as we talk about God's amazing grace, we need to understand that we have to confess our guilt to get his grace. At some point, we have to be honest and say, God, I did it. God, I am guilty. You're right. Because all of us have messed up. All of us have done something wrong. All of us are guilty of doing something wrong. And you may not know it, but... I have. <laughs> Your pastor's done some things wrong. 
And it started early in my life. One day when I was six years old, I was riding with my mom in the small Midwestern town of Mount Pleasant, Iowa, and she was doing some errands. And so mom pulls into a lumber yard. Well, back in the Midwest, there aren't many Home Depots, and in those days especially. So just imagine a very, very many, many, many Home Depot. <laughs> a lumber yard. And she had to run in. They were holding something at the counter for her to pick up. And so she ran into the store. And in those days, in a very small town, it was okay to leave a six-year-old in the car. <laughs> All right? So mom said, stay in the car, Larry. I'm going to run into the counter. I'm going to get this stuff, and I'll be right back. So that was common practice, small Midwestern town, 50-some years ago, to leave a six-year-old. Mom was not abusive, okay? And she's going to listen. She's going to hear me say this. She's going to listen tomorrow to this message. She was not abusive, and that was just common practice. And she told me to stay there, but as soon as she got out of the car, I looked over, and out of my right eye, I saw this huge pile of sand right there in the pavement. My sandbox at home needed more sand. And so I slipped out of the car, six-year-old, my cowboy boots on, right? I ran over to the pile of sand. I pulled off each of my cowboy boots, and I scooped them full of sand. And then I ran back to the car, I laid them over, and I slipped them under the front driver's seat, and I was in the back seat. I slipped them under the seat. Mom comes out of the store. Everything was fine. Shuts the door, backs out, pulls out in the street. Everything was fine until she comes to a stop sign, and she hits the brakes, out of the boots flows the sand. Out underneath her feet, under her seat, comes the sand. She looks down at the floor. She goes, where did this come from? And then she kind of turns, Larry, where did this come from? And I said, Mom, I confess, I stole it. <laughs> I stole the sand from the lumber yard. Immediately, mom whips the car around. She runs, I mean, drives us right back to the lumber yard. She stops the car, and she goes, come with me. And we walk into the, the store. She says, Larry, tell the manager what you just did. And I confessed my sin. I confessed I was guilty. I was wrong. I knew it. And I, I confessed my sin, and he forgave me. In fact, mom is actually upset how forgiving he was. <laughs> Now, mom could have really disciplined me. She could have really punished me. But because I confessed, because I said I did it, I was wrong, she was full of grace. I did have to give all the sand back. Amen? <laughs> now, can you believe that your pastor was actually a sand thief? <laughs> but I did it. I slipped. I slid. I sinned. And we've all done that. And the Bible says this. The person who keeps every law of God but makes, look, look at this, one little slip is just as guilty as the person who has broken every law there is. We've all slipped, we've all sinned, we're all guilty. But the question is, what is guilt? Write this down, what is guilt? Now, we've all felt the impact that guilt can have on our bodies, upon our emotions, our minds, when we've really messed up. In fact, the Bible describes the impact like this. David writes, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Guilt is overwhelming. It can be all-consuming. Guilt is accompanied by fear, the fear of somebody finding out, the fear of, of, of being caught. 
Guilt is such a heavy weight, it's almost impossible to bear. And so I like to say it this way. Look at the screen. Guilt is that overwhelming weight that sits on your spirit when you know, when you know that you've slipped, that you've sinned. And you know what? You know when you mess up. You know when you've done something wrong. You know when you've hurt your relationship with God or you've distanced yourself from God because of your sin and maybe others. And then the weight of your guilt gets like this, amen? The weight of your guilt gets overwhelming like an elephant sitting on your chest. But listen close. The weight of guilt is not just to make you feel bad, but it's also like a warning light that's saying something is wrong. Something is wrong. Something needs to be fixed. Now, when a warning light in your car begins to blink, what's it doing? It's telling you that something is wrong. It's telling you that something needs to be fixed. So when the warning light of guilt comes on, what do you do? Fix the problem. Fix it. Don't ignore it or the problem's just going to get worse because guilt is God's warning light. It's a warning light. So when we slip and the guilt comes on, how do we usually handle that guilt? What do we usually do with it? What do we typically do? Well, most of us handle guilt the same way that the very first man and the very first woman did, Adam and Eve. When they had done wrong, take a look at this on the screen. The Bible says they sewed fig leaves together and they made something to cover themselves. They hid from the Lord God. Then it goes on and says, I was afraid, said Adam, because I was naked. She, Eve, gave me fruit from the tree, so I ate it. We often respond to guilt in the same way that Adam and Eve. First thing that we do, we hurt. Write that down. We hurt. We feel so bad about what we've done that we do something to make us feel better. The hurt drives us to say, take some kind of an action to make ourselves feel better. Adam and Eve, understanding for the very first time that they were naked, they felt so bad about their disobedient action to eat from that tree that God says you can eat from any other tree, but not this one. Feeling so bad about their action and their new condition of nakedness that they did something. They sewed together fig leaves to cover themselves up so that they would feel better. They messed up. They were hurting, so they did something to make themselves feel better. Folks, when we mess up, our guilt makes our spirit hurt. It sits on our spirit. It weighs on our spirit. Most other people around you are happy, but there you are. You're not happy because of what you have done. We hurt. This next way we respond to guilt is this. Then we hide. Second thing we do is we hide. We feel so bad about what we've done. We hide. We isolate ourselves from others. We stop hanging out with, with others. We even stop going to church because we are guilty. We feel it. We know it. We're ashamed of it. So we isolate ourselves because we don't want other people to see us hurting, and we don't want them to perceive that there's something wrong in our lives, and we certainly don't want someone to ask what's wrong, and so we hide. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. They hid in the bushes from God as if you can hide from God, right? <laughs> God, you can't see through this little bush, right? <laughs> they hid as if he couldn't see him. But you can't hide from God. I can't hide from God. There's no place that you and I can go where God can't see. 
And so hiding doesn't help. That's not a way to handle your guilt. It doesn't fix your problem. So next, what do we do? If we don't hurt, if we don't hide, we hurl blame. We hurl blame at somebody else. We say, it was his fault. It was her fault. It certainly was not my fault. And so we hurl blame towards someone else. It looks like kind of this discus thrower. It's not not my fault. No, it's yours. That's what Adam did. Not my fault. It's, It's Eve's over here. And we begin to hurl that blame. God asks Adam, did you eat of the fruit from that tree? And Adam says, she, she gave it to me. And he hurled the blame. It's her fault, God. So when it comes to hurling blame, Adam and Eve kind of looked like this. They just kind of pointing fingers at each other. Not my fault. No confession. Tried to hide it, even though they were hurting. Tried to hurl the blame. And that's how most of us handle our guilt. But when it comes to dealing with your guilt, God's got a whole different plan for you. And folks, it's a plan that works. It's a plan that really works. Write this down. How does God want us to handle guilt. Well, God's given you a process to follow. When you do slip, when you do something wrong, when you need to be delivered from the weight of your guilt, when you need to be delivered from the consequences of your sin, he's got a process because he knew that you would fall. He knew that you would stumble. He knew that you would slip into sin. The Bible says this, if we confess our sins... He, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And then look at this. And he will purify us from all unrighteousness. So listen really close. I want you to get this. God is not a condemning God. God is a forgiving, purifying, restoring God. That's who he is. He will give grace to you because he desires to restore you. So how does God want you to handle your sin? How does he want you to handle your guilt? So that he can forgive you, purify you, and restore you. Three things. First of all, he wants you to simply tell the truth. God wants you to be honest and simply say, God, I did it. God, God, I stole the sand. I did it. I confess. Tell him the truth. Don't try to cover up your sin. Instead, face up to your sin. David said this, God, you know, God, you know, you see everything. God, you know what I've done wrong. I cannot hide my guilt from you. So so don't try to hide something that can't be hidden. Just tell him the truth. And then second, he wants you to trust his character. God wants you to trust him to do what he says he will do. He says he will forgive and purify you from all unrighteousness. He wants you to trust that his grace will be given to you, that he will forgive you, he will restore you. You don't have to fear him. You can trust him. Watch this.
That's the kind of God we serve, amen? <laughs> a God who doesn't want to reprimand you, but he wants to restore you. A God who doesn't want to whip you, but he just wants to wash you clean, amen? <laughs> doesn't give us a license to go out and, and live in sin. That's not what we're talking about. But when we do mess up, he's a God who wants to just wash you and cleanse you and make you right again. And all of God's people said... Amen. The Bible says, let us come near to God, that kind of God of grace, with a sincere heart saying, God, I've done wrong, and a sincere faith or trust because we've been made free from a guilty conscience. You can come near to your heavenly Father, and you can enjoy his grace. Last, he wants you to take his forgiveness. He wants you to reach out and take his offer of forgiveness. You can trust him to wash you and purify you from your unrighteousness to forgive you of all your sins. And look at the scripture, not, not just most of them, but all of them. Take God at his word. Take his offer of forgiveness. The Bible says this, people who believe in God's son are not judged guilty. You see, his grace removes your guilt and restores you into a right relationship with him. I like to say it this way. Take a look at this on the screen. God's grace restores your innermost place. On the inside, he makes you right with himself. On the inside, he makes your spirit light once again. On the inside, he, he removes the weight of your guilt. On the inside, he restores you by the gift of his grace. Does that mean you'll never, ever mess up again? No. But it does mean that when you do, you tell him what you did. 
You trust him to forgive and you take his forgiveness. That's exactly what Abraham did. Abraham was a guy who struggled with lying. Yet God forgave him, blessed him, used him. That's what Moses did. He was a guy who committed murder, yet God blessed him and used him. That's what Saul did. He was a guy who persecuted Christians. Yet God forgave him, blessed him, used him. Listen, God not only wants to free you from guilt, but he also wants to use you in amazing ways, just like he did those guys. But the question is, how do you start the process of getting God's grace? Well, you just do it like David did. Look at this. David says, I finally admitted all my sins to you. God, I just told all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess them to the Lord, and you, God, forgave me. All my guilt is gone. So here, here's the bottom line truth. Where God's grace flows, guilt goes. Amen? God's grace flows, and the guilt just goes. Folks, don't keep hurting. If you've messed up, if you've slipped, don't keep hurting. Don't keep hiding your sin. Don't keep hurling blame. Instead, start telling God the truth. Start trusting God's character, which is full of grace. And then start taking God's offer of forgiveness. Allow the grace of God to restore you. Maybe there's some habit that you keep slipping into. Know that God... Even when you fall, when you slip and you get dirty like those boys on the video, that God just wants to wash you clean. And he wants you to come back to him and begin to live a better life for him and with him. Would you bow your head with me? As I pray this closing prayer, would you just pray it in your heart? Father, thank you for your grace. I don't fully understand it. But this morning, I thank you for it. Today, I choose to follow this process so you can free me from the weight of my guilt and so you can restore me and use me. Fathers, we meet here today together in your presence. We just thank you for being the God of grace, the one who loved us so much that you sent your son to make a way for us to be forgiven and a way for us to live in your holy heaven. We thank you for that gift of grace. We thank you for the opportunity to know you here and now and to live with you forever. We love you. We worship you. We thank you for meeting us here in this place today. We thank you for your amazing, amazing grace. It's in your name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen.